Hey guys, and welcome to Sounds Like NYC episode 58. Our next guest is an actor like Jay-Z is a rapper. He's a businessman whose mediums for art and creation are through acting and film rather than music. You can find him on Instagram at Philly Monster. That's F-I-L-L-Y Monster and 2020 Media Lab. Please welcome Philmon Burhane. Yeah. Did I get yeah, it right? Yeah, yeah, you got it. You got awesome. it. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. <laughs> nice to meet y'all. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Um, I, I suck at names. That's the thing I... I and I shouldn't because I'm, you know, I do fucking interviews, yes. but <laughs> I just suck at names. Yeah. I couldn't even tell you my real proper name because uh, it's Filmon Berhane mm-hmm. originally, but uh, just living in America, I think in kindergarten, there were like Filmon Berhane mm-hmm. and I just accepted it. But now <laughs> I want to say it's officially Filmon Berhane. Berhane. Yeah. Setting gotcha. it straight. That's a pretty dope name for you to be in a videography, no? Yeah, you know filmone. <laughs> you know filmone in Italian means big movie. Oh, Ooh, really? Yeah, and then filmon itself means favored by God. Oh, yeah. Big movies favored by God. You dude. know, Your destiny. Is <laughs> yeah, like I mean, over like, and out for you, bro. Come if on. you don't make it, that's on you. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, it's, it's destined. <laughs> I have to. So, so, how, how did you first get into videography? So, I kind of wanted to. I mean, I started out with acting. Mm. You know, um, and with acting, I wanted to find something to do with it because I didn't feel like I was just an actor. I was kind of discovering myself and Mm -hmm. um, what it meant for me to be an actor. Um, And I always knew I wanted to be uh, an entrepreneur of some sorts and have a business, you know, on the side to fund myself and my life because I never wanted acting to fund my life at all. I don't want to ever take a job because of the money. I'm going to take a job because I want to take the job. And that is my acting. That's my art. You'll never compromise me and my art for money. That's why I have my business. So I can say, you know, suck my dick whenever I want to. Exactly. You need to have that power. So when I started um, thinking about what I wanted in the business, you know, I was thinking about things that um, I was good at, people I knew, and things I was aware of. And I was already working in restaurants, and I seen... Um, how the power of social media and I had a whole bunch of all my almost all of my friends were videographers filmmakers and I just knew how to talk to people Mm -hmm. so I got them together and we just started you know uh, making videos making content essentially awesome yeah that's like really cool yeah because I feel like I guess that's like the thought process of like a lot of creators kind of like what you love doing and then the job that you need in order to like do mm-hmm. what you want to do but like you found kind of like the perfect middle ground where you're doing something creative that's like bringing in most of the money but you still get to like you know pursue uh, uh, pursue acting and stuff like that so like congrats on on like finding that perfect middle ground I appreciate that thank yeah. you thank you I, I think that's sort of like well because like us as a civilization like the reason why we started doing art right is because we didn't really have to care about you know hunting as much we were more towards the you know the farming and the gathering aspect of it and so with that extra time people were able to you know put more time into expression themselves and, and art so I think that that speaks to that I mean you don't have that sort of you know panic um, that that most artists feel like so I feel like you have sort of more more leeway to, to sort of do the projects you want and, and things that you really believe in I mean don't 
don't speak for the man himself, I'm sure, because I feel like artists, like we like all have have our like uh, insecurities and stuff like that. Like, are you facing any like kind of like insecurity in terms of like your like acting career, like anything like that? If you don't mind talking. Yeah, I mean, o- always. Um, I believe you know when people look at me or hear me speak and like look at what I do, they're like, oh, he's cocky, he's arrogant, and all that. I'm like, bro, I'm filled with insecurities. <laughs> I am a little boy in the inside, but I'm, I will never show you that. Mm. I'm always going to combat that until I get so good at combating that I believe it and I am it. Right. And then I get to a point where it's like, that little boy died a long time ago and I'm this nigga that I always wanted to be, mm-hmm. you know, because I kept on acting like him. Like, um, you know, like this is a role. I'm just so fucking good at it, you know, that I play it well and I, I, I go about it and people believe it and that becomes me. Like I'm playing this role and I do it well of having all this confidence. But um, when I started, I was not a good actor at all. And I knew that. I was terrible. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was shy. I would get nervous. I would, uh, um, in the beginning especially, like, I would get these weird, like, shakes every time I would go in the audition room. Mm-hmm. I would just, like, start to, like, shake. But I'm like, I'm not going to, I don't run from anything. You know, when it comes to fight or flight, I'm a fight. So I would fight through that feeling and kind of understand what it was that would make me shake, you know, right. why I would get nervous and then just, keep on going into it like over and over and over again until I just start getting more comfortable with it. But it takes years of discipline and, you know, just constant work to get to that place. And I always knew that it didn't matter if I was good or not. I knew that I was determined and I was going to make it happen. And I have time and uh, freedom, free mind space, you know? Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Would well, you believe in talent? Or do Fuck you feel talent, like man. hard work is, is the only way to do it? Uh, not the only way. So there's definitely necessary talent. Like I have, uh, as an actor, um, I could not access my talents unless I develop my skills. So I know I have certain talents. When I go out, like I'm very enthusiastic. I'm like the party, you know, I'm out there. Um, I just, I'm a very great person to be around with. Um, but I couldn't do that as an actor because I was just too scared to even act. Mm-hmm. Um, but I knew like I had certain talents that I could show once I developed the proper skills. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think most people um, depend on talent. Yeah. And that is, you know, almost, I, I feel like it, it just doesn't matter at mm-hmm. all. You know, if you're depend on, if I were to depend on talent, I would have never done a lot of the things that I've done now, mm-hmm. you know? Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, awesome. So, like, speaking of kind of, like, talent and just, like, the shakes of, like, auditioning and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Uh, yeah, so, like, if you don't mind talking about, like, what has been, like, the worst audition process of your life or, like... <laughs> um, A lot in the beginning. I mean, because right now I'll say I love to audition. I love to audition more than getting the job. <laughs> it's, it's a sport to me it's a game i look at everybody in the room i'm like i'm better than all y'all niggas right <laughs> going to kill this shit um but i come in with that mentality and i usually do kill it you know like i book a lot of fucking roles uh, i mean i'll book a lot of the auditions that i go to i just have fun doing them mm-hmm. that's why but uh the first few years you know every single audition i'm getting the shakes you know like mm-hmm. if i'm sitting down the shakes are coming up my spine up my neck if i'm standing up they're jumping up my leg you know like mm-hmm. just like extreme nervous shakes like i'm pretty sure i have to clench my cheeks you know just so i don't <laughs> shit on my pants that's how bad it is but i'm like i'm gonna get through it you know yeah. i'm like i've been through shit you know like this is just another thing to go through yeah. but i'm gonna make it happen because i'm about it you know like i speak it into existence and i'm about to be about it too 
Nice. You think that makes you want it even more? Like just getting it just makes it feel so much better that you have those shakes? Uh, it, it, at, at the time being, it's just chaos. Yeah. But I just know in that chaos what I need to do, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, you, there's not much thinking to it. It's just, do you run or do you fight? And who I am and where I come from, you know, um, as, you know, being an Eritrean person, I come from Eritrea, uh, we're very prideful people. You know, we have a crazy underdog story where we won a 30-year war against Ethiopia and Italy, you know, and we all, we're all firstborn generation Americans from that war. So we come with that pride and that chip on our shoulder, like, yo, like, we are, you know, we're someone to be reckoned with. Nice. Speaking of, like, where you, where you uh, came from, like, Mm -hmm. it's very interesting, your story. Of course, you're like a first-generation American, but you're not even a native New Yorker, like you came from like Seattle. So like, Mm -hmm. yeah, talk about kind of like life specifically with like your ethnicity being in Seattle. And yeah, Yeah. so how was life for you as like a young kid and like a teenager over, over, over in the, in the uh, Pacific Northwest? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I'll go uh, just a couple steps back there. Uh, My parents were refugees of war and escaped through Sudan, winning a lottery to come to America. Mm-hmm. And my mother was pregnant with me in Sudan and birthed me in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, wow. Barely, you know. Um, came with my older sister, who was one at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so here I am, you know, like this American boy born to these African refugees. Like to them, you know, it's like I'm something else. Like yeah. I, there's nothing about me that's like was is aware of that. Is like I was born in America, like that difference and that um, awareness and that difference just like set me off for like uh, to catapult my life into you know thinking um, I am destined for bigger things because they treated me like you know he's mm-hmm. a citizen like mm-hmm. <laughs> you know like you know how hard it is for them to get to America yeah, and I'm just yeah. born a citizen yeah. like that's that does something to you mentally yeah, you know sure. um, so from there you know where I was born in Atlanta they were like, okay, this is crazy. Within a few months, we're in Seattle. Um, there's a lot of African. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's kind of funny because like I kind of joke with my friends, and I, and I, and I think there's like a sort of like joke that yeah. kind of like kind of like um, um, Atlanta is is kind of like black city, yeah. you know, and stuff like that. But like you parents went to like probably one of the most whitest, whitest places. Place. <laughs> yeah. But you can see of a difference that it made because, like, I can't imagine had I grown up in Atlanta, what kind of person I would have turned out to be. Because I'm like, I have a lot of energy. I would have used that energy towards something. Mm -hmm. I don't know what it would have been. But coming to Seattle, you know, even going to Seattle, we were uh, in a not so great area. We're in a Section 8 area called High Point. Mm -hmm. It was kind of like the hood of Seattle, you know, one of uh, Mm -hmm. the hoods. And um, I lived my childhood there. And uh, soon they were just like, we cannot raise our kids in this environment. You know, they're going to end up like their environment. So they did a very smart thing and took us to the suburbs where I was around, I think like around 10 years old, Mm -hmm. I was around only white kids and like Mm -hmm. people who had money. Mm -hmm. And honestly, it really challenged me academically and to really focus and do um, work, Mm -hmm. you know, because it was a big change. It was a big difference. And I'm very grateful for that because of just the ability to get the education that I feel like I wouldn't have gotten had I stayed down there in like uh, West Seattle or South Seattle, you know? Mm -hmm. So why'd you move to New York City? Oh, it's, why not? You you know? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Initially, so I knew I wanted to be an actor. 
And uh, it was going to be L.A. first, of course. You think L.A. as an actor. Ooh. But uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Boo, fuck that. I'm glad I came out here. <laughs> I like Shit. this wait, guy. Wait, wait. I like wait, so this like, guy. How come? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, like, no. Because, because you have like L.A. just like right underneath you. Yeah. And then like New York, which is like literally like 3, across miles the country. Away, yeah. Yeah. So a lot of my... Uh, so around that time I made that decision was when I dropped out of college you know I was like fuck you guys like I could teach myself like you're not better than me and I can do more on my own um, and then you know, just something uh, tragic happened at that time and I feel like when you're faced with tragedy you have to make drastic decisions you know yeah. you either falter and like succumb in a corner and you know just basically become pathetic mm-hmm. or you rise to the occasion and I'm always going to rise to the occasion mm-hmm. And uh, so I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to make this happen. I'm going to be an actor. I'm going to, you know, blah, 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 whoop-de-whoop. And L.A. was first, but uh, it was like around 2011, 2012, Mm -hmm. and um, Empire State of Mind came out. Jay-Z and uh, Alicia Keys. And it just kept on, like, ringing in the back of my head and just really got into my subconscious. And, you know, like, that line, if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere, Mm -hmm. you know, concrete jungle where dreams are made of. Mm -hmm. Like, that really resonated with me. So I made my whole game plan now to go to New York, Mm -hmm. get next, like, get near Jay-Z somehow, like, you know, um, and just learn from them. And then from there, you know, just be the best that I can be and then from there, do whatever I need to do, you know? But it was just chaotic. I didn't know what I was going to learn and, like, find out and, like, go through. But I was like, fuck it. I just know I need to go out into the unknown and slay the fucking dragon. That's what I'm going to do. Wow. Yeah. Like I said this in, like, another podcast, I think. But, like, New York has, like, great PR. Like, you know, no other city in the world. There's, like, all these songs and, like, and like you know, yeah. famous people and stuff like that. And for you to be so inspired Atlanta. by just... <laughs> For you to be inspired, you know, so, like, greatly by just that song is really, like, a testament to that, like, yeah, so, like, talk about kind of, kind of, like, your first few months to, like, a year in, like, in, like, New York City. Like, what was, like, the, the toughest hype? thing for you transitioning from, like, you know, Seattle and, like, the suburbs of, like, Seattle yeah. to, like, New York City? <laughs> um, pure panic. I was scared as shit. I had, I've never been to New York. I've never... Um, really being out on my own like that. Um, I mean, I did move out from home like when I was 18 and stuff, but I was like, I was always close to home. I can always get food. Like, that's always a safety net, you know? This is different. Uh, I was like, oh, God. Uh, I got off my plane, and I had somewhere to stay for a few hours, and I remember just heading straight to an interview um, right off the plane um, in sneakers and a suit. I was too scared to even get on the subway. Wow. <laughs> I saw, yeah, like, people see, like, how confident I am now. I was scared to get on the fucking subway. I was yeah. like, this is crazy. <laughs> and I uh, went to my interview, and then uh, I remember the guy who interviewed, it was a security job, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I started from the bottom here. I was making seven twenty-five when I got here. Right. Shit. Um, and uh, the guy was like, uh, he was like, I thought your flight was today. I was like, I just got off the plane a couple of hours ago. He's like, and you're here for your interview? I was like, I just need a job. I was scared. He was like, man, come get this boy a job. I was like, (laughs) (laughs) Um, But uh, from there, you know, like, I was like, I'm not here to work security, you know? So, like, very quickly, um, while I was working security, I started, you know, going to bartending school, learning how to bartend, um, because I was like, I got to go work at the 4040 Club. I was like, I got to get near the people that I need. Mentorship was big to me. Mm -hmm. I knew how powerful it was and um, how little uh, things that big people can do for you, you know, make a big difference. So I was like, I don't know. I just got to go to the 4040 Club and work there. And um, I had this whole like game plan and layout. Um, but uh, I was like, fuck it one time. And I just, uh, after passing um, bartending school, I was pretty 
damn good too. I would go to the 4040 club. Um, and I'm just like, you know, I wanted the job and, um, a month and a half of going back and back and back and back. I finally hired me. Awesome. <laughs> they didn't want me at first. I was, you know, I wasn't, I had no experience and such, um, but I memorized the menu. I told him, I was like, why can't I get the job? Like, I'm right. probably faster than, like, I'm telling the, you know, the bartender, looking at the bartender, I'm probably faster than them. You know, I'm probably better. Like, I'm enthusiastic. I'm bad at, you know, and the, um, they were impressed in the beginning, but I had to meet, you know, the GM and then I had to meet, like, the owner and I had to meet, you know, these people and then I, they had to, like, test me, you know? I was always about it, always with it every time I came back. So, like, finally, you know, they just had to put me on the floor and then from there, like, you know, again, scared shitless. I couldn't <laughs> even go to my first table. I was too scared. I had to have somebody walk with me and go to it. Oh, now, wow. when I go to uh, any restaurant that I ever want to work with, like, I feel like I'm one of the best, you know, and I can walk up to anybody mm -hmm. and do it. But I'm like, I understand so well that you need to jump in the fire and get burnt and feel it mm -hmm. in order to get good at it, you know, and fuck that talent. You know, it's I'm going to develop these skills one way or another. The skills I want to, because I'm. If I don't want to do it, I will not do it. Right. That's another, like the other half of that mm -hmm. is that I understand myself and my laziness um, by like what the things I want to do and things I don't want to do. Um, I started 2020 Media Lab. I want to say 2016 to 2017. Mm -hmm. um, I had an opportunity um, around that time. I had like my first big break in acting. I had a national commercial for Delta Airlines, which was oh, yeah, it was huge. Can we and then, see you on it? Like, yeah, uh, so it's hella funny because I'm gonna look it up. there's like yeah. 10 people who do the commercial and uh, the director really looked out for me and then he was like, hey, yo, bro, every time you do your scene, just say something. I was like, but say what? He's like, I don't know, like, what's up, man? Or like, you know, say something like that. I was like, all right, man, I got you. And then so you can see <laughs> in the commercial, I come in, I'm the only one with the line aside from Viola Davis. What's and I. What's the name of it specifically? Uh, Delta Air, uh, Delta 4 AM. Oh, I found so it. Cool. Yeah. We're just watching it right now. Yeah. Hey. No, yeah, we can talk about it. Though. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Explain uh, more about it. Yeah. It's like midway through where you just see me pop in. But um, yeah, and I didn't understand why he wanted me to do that. And uh, so I ended up getting a line in that. And so when you get residuals for these commercials, you get paid for being seen and for speaking. So this motherfucker made sure I got the paid for this shit. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then Viola Davis is the voice actress in this commercial. And she won an Oscar right after it gets released. So they're playing the fuck out of this commercial. Can you see him? Oh, that's you! <laughs> wow, that's Damn, so cool. and that thing is what sort of yeah. So that got me a lot of fucking capital. money. Yeah, and wow. with that, uh, so I mean, I feel like with that, you know, I had all the money that I wanted um, at the time. Um, I had the accolades, you know, people hitting me up like all over, like, oh my god, I saw your commercial, like this, this, and that. I'm like, oh my god, this is this is what I wanted. Uh -huh. Fuck no, depression, bad. It was. It was like, uh, I feel like uh, who came into my mind, like Jim Carrey saying that I, I hope everybody gets everything that they want and see that it's not that, you know? Um, and then so I went through like a whole bunch of just like chaotic, depressive, anxiety, panic attack moods, you know, for a few months until where I like had to figure out something. Why? And uh, just because it, that is the reason um, why I did everything. I wanted the, the money, the accolades, the acting, like, oh, that's what I wanted. That's what everything meant to me. And I got it and I felt nothing. It satisfied such a shallow part of my heart that it almost killed me. You know, wow. it was bad. It was fucking bad. And I was like, oh my God, this is not worth shit. 
and um I was pretty depressed like when I got into the act like when I was 19 and came to New York like I came from a very depressed state so that got me out of it to and like I was chasing that whole thing and then like I get that thing that got me out of depression and like it wasn't it so I understood then that I need to find something that had meaning and mm. offer responsibility and so I started my business and um just there was a lot of you know just starting a business takes a lot um and within that it got hyper focused and it got hyper uh it got into more of a niche to where it is now and where it is now is that i specifically interview black restaurateurs chefs people in the food and beverage industry mm -hmm. to highlight them and kind of give them a platform to show what they do in a kind of docu-series right um, because I believe that representation is important and I love that I do that and I love what I do and it makes me happy and I get the enjoyment out of just what I do and everything else is just like an extra now, you know, and same with the acting. Every job that I take now and all the projects that I'm working on have to do with helping my people, my community and it, it, it just has so much meaning now and it's so fulfilling that I'm in such a great place, you know, and um, it's just been so chaotic to get to that place and i always believe it's chaos before order yeah tell us more about the uh, interview series uh, it sounds really really interesting we've been planning on doing something like that too but it's just it's a lot Please of give us some yeah. Yeah. so yeah. uh <laughs> i mean where, where yeah. the business was a year ago uh was in notes <laughs> the business uh, a year ago so what we wanted to do is basically so when you go to a restaurant you know um I personally want to see the menu and the food yeah. visually. I want to see little videos, snippets. I'm like, I need to see this because I'd hate to order something off the menu that is just words and something else passes by me. I'm like, no, I actually want that. <laughs> I've been a server for years and I've seen this many, many times. I'm like, God damn it. If we just had fucking videos of the fucking food, I would need to fucking talk this much to these fuck. I mean, like, don't get me wrong. Yeah. Like, I had a great time with these guests, but I'm like, okay, we're not friends. I'm just here to take your order. Really? Uh, just, just get it done. But it just, I felt like alleviated so much. So we wanted to create a new system to where when you go to a restaurant, you would just see food footage of their stuff and you see the ambiance. You would see the chef, you know, you get the story through video. Um, and we wanted to set that up, but that's a longer process. Um, and right now with the whole Black Lives Matter movement, I sat down and really tried to think of how I can help the cause. Cause I'm not the guy, I'm, you're not gonna see me at a protest. You're not gonna see me like yelling, oh my God, this is unfair. I'm about action, you know? I'm gonna make shit happen. Like I'm gonna do shit, that's me. There's other people, great, they do, they play their part, right. I'm gonna play my part, and I know exactly who I am, I have enough self-awareness to understand what I can do, and what mm -hmm. I'm gonna do, and what I wanna do. I'm not gonna do anything I don't wanna do. And so, after talking with my team for maybe a month, and applying for a 501c, uh, which is um, basically get a, uh, become a nonprofit, right. uh, accept uh, funds to do that, uh, we were accepted, and now we want to go around America interviewing black people in the awesome. restaurant industry and the food and beverage so like you know wineries um you know did you know that brooklyn brewery the brewmaster is a black guy really i know that yeah Dude, yeah speaking of which like isn't their main it's factory like yeah it's yes, in somewhere around here yeah it's yeah, like yeah. oh it's right here yeah oh shit dude we should go oh, it's, on, down to it's go. on kent yeah it? it's on kent yeah it's, oh. it's like super close like oh, a five yeah. minute walk yeah. From yeah. Here. yeah that's really cool <laughs> say yeah. less yeah so like uh yeah speaking of kind of like current events obviously uh -huh. um you know the big c word has affected 
Oh, my mic is on, okay. Yeah, so the, <laughs> sorry about that. So the big C word has affected everybody in different ways. So like, how has um, COVID kind of like affected the way that you're doing the nonprofit? Because obviously, you know, everybody's eating outside now and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And like restaurants are like mm-hmm. in, you know, crisis mode and stuff like that. So like. So we, um, because COVID, we almost had to completely shut down. Mm-hmm. We cannot do what we do with COVID around and with restaurants not making any money. We're more like a luxury service, honestly. And I'm not going to try to charge people for what we do, um, especially in these times. But I tried to find a way where I could be an asset and help. Like, I'm not going to just sit there and be like, oh, can't do work. I'm not going to do work. Niggas can't afford me. Niggas can't afford me. I'm still going to find something to do something. Like, at the end of the day, I do it for meaning, you know? Mm-hmm. And I don't do, I mean, the money needs to come in, mm-hmm. definitely. But um, it's not why I do it. Um, and um, so that's where it got in the, th- uh, like, I got into deep in thought of, like, how am I going to flip this, you know, and adjust it and for covid because we don't know how long this is really gonna last i'm like i just can't be out of business for all this time you know mm-hmm. uh, so we kind of figured that aspect out of the business which is like you know i really want to focus on more now you know because i'm like god this has so much meaning and I, I love doing this and everybody that i get to interview is like people that we personally choose there's a lot of restaurants and a lot of places where i'm like no you guys were assholes to me I'm not going to interview your chef because I don't want to, you know, versus some places where I'm like, you don't know me, but I know that yay fucking kill it. And like I saw them, you know, do something. I'm like, I really want to go out and interview them. It's my choice. You know, it's that's what I love about, you know, having the freedom to do that. Um, But I think like when COVID hit, I was really focused more on the acting Mm -hmm. um, part because it goes back and forth, you know, like, mm-hmm. am I an actor right now? Am I a businessman? Am I an you know, entrepreneur? So, like, I got to play these different hats and make sure that when I'm in a role, like, I'm in it, you know, yeah. and not um, dispersing myself too thinly. For sure. I mean, what, what do you feel like next year is going to be like? Next year's going to be fucking crazy. I feel like that's going to be the time where people are like, oh, you know, you came... I feel like a lot of things are going to happen for me personally. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the things that, you know, this is kind of... It's been almost nine years since I've been in New York. This is my tenure, you know. Um, I feel like a lot of of the things that I've done in the past 10 years will come into fruition now. And I'll probably pop out like, you know, people thought I came out of nowhere. I'm like, no, motherfucker, I've been working. You know, I've been doing this shit for a while. You know, Um, this is nothing new to me. um, And I have a story to tell. Um, Yeah, I mean, I'm a a lot. uh, I mean, like we've been talking, you know, like a lot of things that if they hit, they'll hit big are happening right now. And I had all these things happening before the Black Lives Matter movement. And when something like that happens, it's kind of like we get an extra push as an artist. You know, it's like if I was trying to sell a film before the Black Lives Matter uh, movement happened, I have a much better chance now. Uh, If I was trying to book a role or like, you know, try to do certain things, but I just, as an artist, you just have a lot more opportunities. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm not gonna, I don't know what, yeah, we don't have to go. Like, I don't know why specifically. Like, I'm not gonna say what the other side look how they look into it, or whether it's like they feel guilty or they're just really trying to help. Yeah, I really I don't care. S- I'm just like, there's more work for us now. That's take, all you care take, about. I mean, be ready, be prepared, and like you know, get that shit. Any opportunity and, you can get, you got to mm-hmm. jump on. Yeah, yeah. But um, one thing specifically, I want to add to that is that I want to make sure um, that we're putting out quality work. Right. Because not every black business is a good business. Mm-hmm. I want to make sure that we're holding each other accountable. 
that we're doing quality stuff all the time. That's awesome. yeah, something I feel like I should yeah. always add into because it, you know, we, we, we feel like we can just go in and like, like I deserve it's like, no, what, what, what work did you put in for this? Yeah. You know? Who are you? Yeah. yeah. For sure. Speaking of like, kind of like excellent black businesses, like mm-hmm. what are some of your favorite black owned like, you know, restaurants or businesses within the city? I def so I just interviewed a chef in Brooklyn, uh, Chef Romeo Regali. He owns with his wife uh, Ross Plant Based in Brooklyn. Amazing. Which part in- of Brooklyn? Uh, it's in Flatbush. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah. So it's a. It's a good college right over there. Yeah. Plant based Ethiopian cuisine. So this is the food that we kind of grew up in our whole lives, but it's plant based now. It's healthy, delicious. Um, just great person, great vibes. Uh, that's a great one. And that was the first person I chose him specifically, you know, because he's probably one of my favorite restaurateurs in the city. Mm-hmm. And that was like, I was like, my first interview, I got to be comfortable. I got to be somewhere where I really, you know, hits home. And uh, so that's, you know, a, a really big one for me. Um, did you say? Or like businesses, like yeah. black owned businesses or restaurants? Or? Yeah, yeah. I mean, another restaurant, uh, Sweet Chick. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Wait, Nas has ownership, and I don't know if he f- fully owns it, but really? I know Nas is, owns. The one yeah. on Bedford? And there's one on Lower East Side. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't Interesting. Know that. Yeah, there's one right here, like in uh, Williamsburg, actually. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Um, but as far as that, you know, like I, I think big. I think large scale. You know, like I try to get next to the kings. So, um, you know, again, I worked at Forty Forty Club. I just try to get near and like I just try to hear Jay-Z's conversations. You know, like how he went about himself you know i was like okay that's confirmation that i could still be a good person and humble and like still be the best at my shit but and still you know his friends are around him like he did it so well and his wife is beyonce i'm like god he did it very well <laughs> yeah. um people like uh you know i'd work at hot restaurants where i would be if it was like uh uh robert smith came in one day the black billionaire mm-hmm. and then i was like i gotta serve him and they're like well of course like you're the only black kid you know like <laughs> We send the token out over yeah, here. Yeah, but we I'm like, send I'm it a, for a for a tribute. Of course. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember um, that one specifically too because it was when Mayweather was fighting Pacquiao, um, oh. and then like you know I was really entertaining him, having a great time, and just really listening to what he had to say to his people, and just putting them on as he's putting his people on the game. I'm like, this is free game for me. <laughs> I'm like, well, what can I get you to order? Like, okay, what did he say though? Damn. Um, um, but yet, I remember there were servers at that restaurant who uh, were like, why would you just put the black guy on the black guy? Just, you know, I'm like, they're like, we're more seasoned servers. We should be the one serving the billionaire, you know? And then um, it's like, the manager like, just trust me, you know? And at the end of it, he ended up giving me like a $2,000 tip. Wow. And then nice. he, they were like, this is why we give him to him, you know? Mm-hmm. And like, they're like, there's, there's just an understanding that you just cannot get, you know? I'm like, I entertained the fuck out of him. Like, I was doing these little Mayweather moves and like just chopping <laughs> it up with them. And like, you know, like I talk shit with the guests. Like I'm not a normal server, you know? I'm not gonna, I'm not an order taker. Like I'm a, there for the entertainment, like make sure, you know, people just have a good time. That's mm-hmm. what it's about at the end of the day. You're not there to eat. We just have, you want to have a good time. Girls want to feel beautiful. Guys want to feel like they're men, you know? Mm-hmm. You gotta, you know, once you figure that out, everything else is easy. That's so cool. For sure. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Well, what, what do you want to leave with? Uh, man, people just be good to each other, man. Honestly, there's a lot of anger and like hate going around. And what just... are you looking at me for? <laughs> I gotta be good to Nothing you. Nothing is like, 
don't get me wrong, I'm very competitive, and I'll come out after a motherfucker, I'll come after your throat, easy. But I'll do it in a nice way. If I want you to be better, I'm gonna come after your throat, you know, in a way that I feel like is gonna make you better. If you don't, if I know clearly you don't want to be better, you won't, honestly, I don't need to be around you, you know? So I want to leave off, I guess with, yeah, be tough, but be nice. I like that. Great, yeah. Great, great words to live by. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on. It was a pleasure. Yeah, yeah. Appreciate it. Yeah.